horario. Ah, entonces no nos busques, porque con nuestros trimestrales mejorarás tu agilidad oral y nivel auditivo y reforzarás la gramática. En grupos reducidos y mediante el método Baugan, aprenderás inglés. Así que no nos llames al 91-133-5833-91-133-5833 ni nos visites en grupobaugan.com. Good afternoon, welcome to English for Dessert with me, Anna. It is when, oh no, sorry, it's Thursday. Sorry, it's Thursday, the 10th of January 2019. How are you today? Sorry, I just need to move my chair again. Dane's very tall, so <laughs> I have to move my chair. So, um, Thursday. It was a very crisp morning this morning. Now, we use the adjective crisp to describe when in the morning, for example, uh, when it's sunny, but it's cold, okay, and it's very fresh, we use the adjective crisp, C-R-I-S-P, crisp morning. Okay, and it means it's very nice, it's sunny, but it's very fresh, it's very cold. So just like crisps, a crisp, patatas fritas, you can eat. We use it as an adjective to describe a morning. So it was a very crisp morning. The weather is still fantastic in Madrid. So I'm loving, loving life at the moment, loving the weather. I'm a sun girl, I need sun. So New Year's resolutions, I did a bit of a poll on Instagram and Twitter to ask you, If you found it easy to stick to, to stick to means mantener, your New Year's resolutions. Now, it was a bit of a mixed bag. So if I say it's a mixed bag, I mean there was a variety of responses for the different answers. So most people said they were pretty disciplined. So more or less, they were able to stick to their New Year's resolutions. I think Twitter were more disciplined than Instagram. So maybe that says something about who uses both. Some people said they were somewhere in the middle. So some people said, yeah, they do give up. Rendirse. Yeah, give up quite easily. I remember on Tuesday, I said that I read somewhere that it takes 26 days to either break a habit or start a habit. So I've been, and now I told you as well, that one of my New Year's resolutions is to get up at the same time every day, which has been going so going well so far for the first uh, three days or something like this. So my three days, so now it's 23 days. I have to wait until I can break the habit. Um, but I just wanted to tell you why I chose to do that, because probably you're like, why would you decide to wake up at the same time? It does make sense in a way. And the thing is, I don't need to wake up early. Sorry, you might hate me for that, but I really don't. I work, I, my, I start the radio at half past three and then I finish at half past nine or a quarter to ten in the evening. So 9.30 p.m. So I don't need to get up early, but I want to get up early. Why? Because I have to make the most of my morning because I don't have much time in the evening. So I want to get up early, get things done. And I also read, I think I've mentioned this person before, uh, Jordan Peterson, who is a Canadian clinical psychologist. 
Stay with me on this one. However, he's a bit of a... He's a lecturer at a university. I can't remember which one off the top of my head. And he's also a bit of a YouTube star. You might know him. Um, some people, when I speak to them, they know they know him. And he kind of talks about various different things from his experience as being a clinical psychologist and um, kind of just about life, really, about how, you know, ways that you can manage your life better, really, in a very simple way. And one of the things I mentioned the other day was about keeping the space where you live, like, tidy and clean. Tidy room, tidy mind, if you remember I was saying that. And that's one of the things that he talks about as well. Tidy your room. If you if you want to start somewhere, if you want to think about what should I do to improve anything, it should be tidy your room. Start there. Start, you know, a sign of a messy room is a sign of someone who's all over the place. If someone's all over the place, it means, I don't know, they're distracted. They have maybe a lot of problems, blah, blah, blah. Now, one of the other things he also says is get up at the same time every day. And I'm reading one of his books at the moment, which I haven't finished yet. But when I do, I think I'm going to tell you, give you a bit of a summary about it. Although it's quite hard because there's so much in it. But he taught, I think the book's called 12 Rules to Anti-Chaos. So 12 Rules Regulars to Anti-Chaos. And it's really, really good. It's quite heavy. So you can describe a book as being heavy. You could also describe it as being dense. D-E-N-S-E, dense. It means that some of the language, even for me as a native English speaker, is like, woof, a little bit academic, a little bit heavy at times. So I can only read like a teeny tiny bit at a time, like one chapter. Anyway, another thing he says is get up at the same time every day. He said it's not so much, it's not so important to go to bed at the same time, but more get up at the same time every day. And he talks a lot about like kind of basic I don't want to call them basic, but fundamental things that you can do to improve things, right? So get up at the same time every day. So I've taken his uh, advice from his book and I'm going to try it and see see what difference it makes. I don't know. I don't know. But I really like books like that. I really enjoy reading. Now, some people call them self-help books in English, right? And I hate that. I really hate that tag or that title that term because in English it has a kind of negative connotation for some people so some people sort of say oh my goodness why would you read if you read self-help books then you obviously don't know how to manage your life or if you read self-help books um I don't know you're you're silly or I don't know but I don't think that at all I think it's completely the opposite like for me I think, why wouldn't you want to learn from other people that might be a little bit more, they might have a little bit more wisdom than you, they might have experienced more than you. Like, why wouldn't you want to do that? And in my head, why wouldn't you want to improve yourself? Because really, for me, that's the ultimate, like my ultimate goal. Like every time or every year or every whatever, I should be just trying to improve myself a little bit more. So I love self-help books. And Jordan Peterson, this book I'm reading now is really good. I also read another book a couple of years ago now and or maybe it was a year or two ago and it was called Liminal Thinking. I'm going to spell liminal for you. L-I-M-I-N-A-L. Liminal Thinking. And it was by a chap called Dave Gray. 
And it's a short book. Maybe I'll talk about this one as well. Because honestly, after reading that book, it totally changed the way that I thought about some things. Have you ever read a book like that where you read it and you think, wow, you just, you're, you're changed, like you change your mind about something. I love that. I love that when that happens. I love it when things challenge me to think in a different way or to see something from a different perspective. So yeah, I'll, I'll talk about that sometime, but it's called Liminal Thinking by, by Dave Gray, but self help books. That's the kind of genre of book. Genre is G E N R E genre. And we have that, it's like a je sound at the beginning. Genre. Not gonre. <laughs> genre. I guess it's a French word. Sounds very French anyway. So, um, I asked you on Twitter as well. Yesterday I was talking about the word moist. Horrible, horrible word. Don't even want to repeat it. <laughs> but I have to, to talk about this bit. Now I asked you, are there any words, is there a moist equivalent in Spanish? Like words that Spanish people don't want to say, they feel really uncomfortable, you know, they feel awkward, incomodal when they have to say it. And I have some here that people sent in to me. So thank you very much for those people that did. Now, Mamin from Blah 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 Live sent me one pastoso <laughs> and she sent it with a gif, uh, I don't know, a GIF is like a small image that you have on social media, a moving image. Anyway, pastoso, like pasty. Another one was sent in. I don't know if this is uh, from Jave Lopez. I don't know if this is rude or not. So if it is, I or if it's swearing, but he said dank. I think that's German. You have to tell me what it means, Jave. Send me a, a message and write it. But yeah, so that's the Spanish equivalent of moist, apparently. But yes, yesterday I went there. I went there with Moist. Now to go there with something, for example, if I say, yep, I went there, it means to do something drastic or something that mm, most people wouldn't do. So for example, most people wouldn't really want to come on a radio show and talk about the word Moist. But, you know, I did it. <laughs> so I went there. It would only be on English for Dessert. And remember, if you want to follow me on Twitter and Instagram, you can at English for Dessert. So today I wanted to talk about an article that I read. So it's a little bit more serious today. Sorry, guys. Yesterday I was a bit silly and fun. But today let's just going to talk about an article I read. One of my New Year's resolutions actually is to read a bit more. Because sometimes I find that when you're a teacher and you're working at Vaughan, you can kind of be in a bit of a bubble. So you can say that you're in a bubble when it means like your whole, everything, you come to work, you speak to the people from work, you're not, you know, not really focused so much about what's going on outside. And I have to say like in the past year, I've been in a bit of a, a bit of a bubble, bit of a Vaughan bubble. You know, like when I went home to the UK, I knew about some things that were going on, but even in my past profession, for example, I used to be a project manager. And like even now thinking about it, it feels like a million years ago. So I need to get my head back in the game, as we would say in English. So I want to read a bit more just about general things, what's going on out there in the world. You know, I'm very curious. I like to learn about these different things. Anyway, I was reading about an article that was talking about the future now, there's loads of stuff about this because, you know, we're going through a period where there's loads of change and everyone's like, what's the world going to look like in 50 years? 
So this was an article about the world in 2069, which is 50 years from now, 50 years in the future. So uh, I've worked this out already. Uh, how old will I be in 2069? Well, I'm going to be nearly four, four fifths of a century. God, I can't believe that. I hope, I hope I'm still alive in 2069, but maybe not. It's, <laughs> I'm laughing that it's 2069 because I'm very immature and childish. But anyway, I wonder what people thought. Maybe you're listening and maybe, um, like 50 years ago, what did you think it would look like? now in 2019 it's really interesting you know i can't even imagine what i'll be like or where i'll be or who i'll be with it's just so far but everyone always tells me the time just goes so fast so who knows and you can use look and like for example i don't know what the world will look like in 50 years time so anyway this article was talking about food shopping Okay, food shopping and supermarkets, supermercados. Boring, right? But not really that boring. I think it's really interesting because it's something that's every day. I mean, all of us, we all have to buy food to live, right? We can't survive without it. It's impossible. So this article is talking about some industry experts and what they think the supermarket market will look like in the future. Now, a supermarket, supermercado, um, is kind of... I don't know, your standard, your car for your, your Mercadona, something like this. But now we used to, it used to always be bigger shops, but now we kind of have these smaller scale supermarkets that are in the center. Because obviously in the center of the city, like Madrid or Liverpool or London, you can't have a huge supermarket. It's impossible. I'm sure the rent would be extremely expensive as well. So if you have it on a smaller scale, sometimes we call those like express shops. Should I say, I'm going to go to the Tesco Express. Now, weirdly, you don't have Tesco's in Spain. Or maybe you do. Maybe Tesco's owns another supermarket brand. I don't know. Um, but that is strange because in the UK, Tesco's is like pff, everywhere. Everywhere you go, there's a Tesco's. So we call them express shops. We call them city shops sometimes. They're like small supermarkets. If it's even smaller than that, we would maybe call it a grocer's. But honestly, people don't really use that anymore, to be honest. Um, and we don't really say, I'm going to go and get the groceries. I wouldn't say that either. I'm just going to say, I'm going to go and get some shopping or I'm going to go and do the shopping, blah, blah, blah. So we don't really say groceries, to be honest. Maybe that's a bit old school. I'm not sure. Now, even bigger than a supermarket you can have something called a hyper market. Now, I'd heard of this before, but I didn't actually know what it meant. <laughs> so I had to Google it. Um, and it means a supermarket and a department store all together in one place, a hyper market. It's not really a term that we use in the UK that much, but maybe they do in America. I don't know. Maybe it's an American English term. But I hate those kind of places, like the huge supermarkets where you can go and you can get... You know, you can buy a T-shirt and you can buy fresh orange juice or ugh, I hate going to places like that. In fact, I don't really like shopping that much, to be honest. I don't know if, but I do like, and honestly, food shopping for me, like going to the supermarket for me is a chore. Like 
a chore as in something I have to do, but I don't really want to do it. Like, I, it really annoys me that I have to go and buy things all the time. <laughs> it's like I'd much rather just have somebody deliver it to my house. But I can't have that in Spain, apparently. But I'll come on to that in a bit later. So this article is talking about how it's a really rapidly changing market. Um, and I guess it is because you kind of had the old, you know, all the big names. And you say in the UK, like Tesco's and Sainsbury's and people like that. But in the past couple of years, they've had some new players in the field or new players in the market. Now, when you say new players, you don't mean somebody playing a sport. You mean companies, some new players in the market. A very interesting one that's come into the market, supermarket market. <laughs> I'm going to say food shopping market. Otherwise, it's just too many markets in one sentence. Is Amazon, who actually acquired Whole Foods which is a huge company, in 2017. So a common thing to acquire a company, you can acquire a company, you can merge with a company, and a common term is mergers and acquisitions, which some of you might be familiar with. I mean, really, what does Amazon not do? Like, it scares me how much Amazon does and maybe how much they're planning to do as well because, I don't know, like, they just do everything, I think Amazon's probably little by little just going to take over the world. But the experts in there, they talk about how there'll be even more de developments in home delivery, i.e. online shopping, getting your food delivered to your house. Now, I've noticed that this is far, this is a lot more popular in the UK than in, in Spain. Maybe this is because I live in Madrid, though. But I tried to do this. I tried to set it up because for me, it's perfect. It's a complete time saver. I don't want to, I don't want to have to go to the shop every single day. For me, it's like super inefficient, right? I don't want to go. I don't want to do it. I'd much rather have all of my stuff delivered to my house on one day at a specific time. But I can't do it. It said that I wasn't within the range of the supermarket or whatever. So there's going to be even more developments in home delivery. But they said that probably, even though you'd think that maybe we'll just stay at home and we'll get all our food delivered to us, we won't go to the supermarket anymore. However, most of the experts agreed and they said that in 2069, 50 years from now, probably there would still be, well, actually not probably, they reckon that there'll still be brick and mortar shops. So what I mean by brick and mortar is just buildings, brick and mortar Brick and mortar are the materials that you use to make buildings. So they think they'll still go to the supermarket, but that there'll be more like hypermarkets. So you'll go to the supermarket, you will buy your food, but you'll also maybe um, prepare, uh, get some of the basic ingredients. Maybe you'll buy something, you'll go to the cinema at the same time, or maybe you'll also go to the dry cleaners or whatever, but even more so than it is now. One of them said that, It might be like if you go into an Apple store, I don't mean a shop selling apples, I mean the company Apple the technology, and you think about their merchandising, how they uh, lay out all their products. And they were saying, ah, it might be a little bit like that in the future with supermarkets. So you'd have your supermarket and they would lay it out all for you. And you would just pick that. And then from somewhere behind, you would appear your food or whatever. So they think it might be, it might look a little bit like an Apple store. Kind of freaks me out though. 
And it reminds me of, I don't know if you watched a, a series called Black Mirror. I've mentioned this before on my show. Um, and it's kind of like a dystopian future with technology and blah, 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 blah. And there is an episode in that series called Nosedive. Now, if you haven't seen it, I suggest you watch it. It's very popular. Lots of people have seen it. But that's like the closest thing. When I watched that, I was like, oh, that's kind of the closest thing I've seen. I think, wow, I really do think that maybe some elements of that show, you know, it really could be like that in 50 years time. So if you haven't seen it, I'm not going to spoil it for you and tell you what it's like. Because why not? It's English, so you can practice as well. Uh, you can put on uh, the subtitles if you're struggling a bit. But try to not use the subtitles straight away. Try and listen first. Otherwise, you're just kind of reading. You're not really listening. But let's go back to Amazon as well, because Amazon did a really... They've I don't know if they've started using it, but they've got some shops where you go in, okay, you put the stuff in your bag, and you just walk out. So they have a system by which you anything you put in your bag, it checks it out and it charges it to your account that you've made with them. So you don't have to wait in a queue. Okay. Now a queue, you spell queue, it's a bit of a funny word. Q-U-E-U-E. <laughs> Lots of U's and E's. How weird. Like, I mean, I guess that's that would be great, but I can't you can't imagine it working on a large scale. I mean, I guess I, I mean, I'm not a techie person, so I guess it does, but I mean, it would save a lot of time, no? But you still have to go to the supermarket, and that's what they're saying. They think we're still going to be going to the supermarket. Just maybe our supermarkets might might look different and we don't have to wait in a queue, which is fine by me. Another thing they said as well, and the title of the article is actually called In 2069, our food will shop for us. And what they talk about is how in the future, as we give these companies or whatever, more data and feedback about what our tastes are, what our needs are, what our allergies are, is that they could predict exactly what we'd want. And even down to ingredients, for example, if you needed a specific type of steak or a specific type of, I don't know, vegetable, that that would then be ordered to the store that you could then go and pick up or give into your house or deliver to your house. I don't know, crazy. Who knows? Who knows what it's going to be like? But there you go. It's a really interesting article. Maybe you thought about it before. Maybe you hadn't. <laughs> I don't know. But some key uh, vocabulary in there. Uh, online shopping. Okay, so that's any shopping you do online. Home delivery. So you can use that in any context, but mainly with food shopping as well. Some new players in the market. Okay, so if I'm talking about a new players, I'm talking about companies or whoever that are entering the market. They're new. Anyway, to finish up for the last couple of minutes, I'd like to do a little class correction. Now, I've mentioned this before, but it keeps coming up in my class this week. So using some and any with countable nouns. Now, if you have a countable noun, let's say chair, for example, or I don't know, chair, table, whatever. If you use some or any, okay, with that noun, you have to make it plural. Okay, so for example... You would say, there are some chairs in the room. Okay, what a lot of my students do is they say, there are some chair. It's like, no, 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 no. There are some chairs in the room. If you don't pronounce the S, I immediately, I can hear your mistake, okay? It's immediately wrong. I can hear it. So there are some chairs in the room or there aren't any tables in the room. 
Now, I know it's hard because Spanish people, Spanish speakers, you don't like to pronounce the S ever on plurals, on whatever. So, some chairs, any tables. Let me give you another example. Are there any dogs in the park? Okay. Um, are there any bottles of water on the table? Yes, there are some bottles of water on the table. So make sure when you use some and any that you pronounce, uh, with countable nouns, sorry, that you pronounce the S. Um, now also with some and any, make sure in your question it, you use any. So is there any, not is there some? Okay, so is there any water in the bottle, for example? Now I use the singular of the verb to be because water is an uncountable noun. Some other uncountable nouns. Is there any honey in the jar? A jar is like a, a little glass container that we specifically use, J-A-R, to spell it. And we specifically use that to talk about condiments. So things like honey, what else would you use? Jam jar. Okay, J-A-M. Now remember, jam is mermelada, not jamon. Okay, so a jam jar, a honey jar. What else do we use jar for? Mm, jam jar, honey jar. I think that that's it I would use for jar. But it's made of glass, the jar. Okay, so it's made of glass. So make sure that you use the plural of the countable nouns if you use some and any. And make sure you just pronounce your S's in general, please. <laughs> um, I know it's hard because you naturally don't say it, but make sure you make an effort to always pronounce your S. Okay, okay thank you very much, everybody. Thank you for listening. If you want to follow me, it is English for dessert and I will see you all tomorrow. Thank you. Julian Wiki from English O'Clock. ¿Y sabes qué? En enero repasaremos todo desde cero en English O'Clock. That's right. Así que si quieres seguir mi programa y sacarle el máximo partido, no te puedes perder mi libro English O'Clock. That's right. You can't miss it. En el que encontrarás todos los ejercicios que hacemos en el programa todos los días. Subo lo que hemos hecho del English O'Clock so you can follow it at home. English O'Clock ya está disponible en baugantienda.com y ahora con gastos de envío gratis. Haz que el 2019 pasa la historia como el año en el que de verdad pudiste con el inglés. Busca English O'Clock en baugantienda.com. That's right, baugantienda.com. That's where you can get my book 